How much insurance do veterinarians need? There are many opinions and rules of thumb on how much coverage you should have when buying disability and life insurance. You could be shortchanging yourself and your family by just accepting coverage through your work or just buying any kind of insurance online. So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Welcome back to the Smarter Vet Podcast. CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are here. We are the owners of Florida Veterinary Advisors. We are national speakers at veterinary conferences and schools and are fully licensed financial advisors. So when I was 16 years old, I, I'll never forget when my, my dad had finally figured out that he had Parkinson's. There was a time when my dad was having problems with his speech and problems kind of moving around and he, uh, he had a lot of different issues that were coming up and my mom and him were not really sure what was going on. And so started going to doctor after doctor after doctor. And I'm sure some of you have probably experienced a little bit of that before of just trying to figure out what, what's wrong. Now, my dad found out, was diagnosed with Parkinson's, and he had a type of Parkinson's that basically went, uh, it would take people very fast. It wouldn't be a, a 15, 10 or 15 year time frame. It was actually gonna be more like a, a two to five year time frame. And that, I think that was one of the reasons why it was so hard to diagnose for doctors, because it was, it was very, happening very, it was speeding up very rapidly. And so by the time I was 18, I, I remember, it was right around that January after I had turned 18 that I had to go buy diapers for my dad. And it was a very real experience to, you know, be in the checkout line at a grocery store and you're buying diapers for your dad that you know is probably not going to be around for very much longer. Now in November of that year, he, he fell at home. He was rushed to the hospital. He ended up being fine and went into rehab. And then he fell again at the hospital. And then there were some problems with blood clotting on his brain. There was a surgery. He eventually, uh, after the surgery, slipped into a coma. And then a few weeks later, my mom and I had to make the very tough decision to take him off of life support. And you know, there's certain things during that time period that I can remember very distinctively of just thoughts that were going through my head and things that I was experiencing and even listening to just the rattle when, when people get close to the end of life and they have pneumonia or something, there's actually a, they call it a death rattle. It's like where the lungs are filling up with fluid. And, and I remember hearing that rattle and my mom came home shortly, a, a few days after we had taken off life support one day from, from seeing him at the hospital. And she told me while we were eating dinner that he had passed away about 20 minutes after she left. Now, the impact of my dad dying when I was 18 obviously was uh, something that really affected me. I'm 33 years old at, at the time of this recording, and to this day, you know, 15 years later, it still affects me pretty bad. My dad, though, did some things. Uh, I mean, he was a great dad growing up, thought about me a lot. I was his only son, and so you know, he, he always worked really hard at being a good dad. And my, my mom and my dad have always been good at planning, at financial planning in particular. It provided for expenses that, that he didn't even know about, right? Expenses that I, were, that I was going to have after he passed away 
that, at, you know, he probably, he still probably would have paid for those things had he lived. But obviously, since he passed away, he wasn't able to provide unless it was through the money that he left behind. So like, you know, he paid for a, a big portion of my college, a big portion of my living expenses while I was in college, because I ended up getting married at the age of 20. I ended up having a daughter at the age of 21. So like the money that he left behind, you know, allowed me to buy the wedding ring for my wife. It allowed me to go on the honeymoon. It allowed me to do a lot of things that he didn't even know he was planning for me to do. And even though my, my dad was not, <laughs> my dad was not at my wedding, he still kind of was. And so my, my father's passing was effectively, it, even though it impacted me personally, it effectively was an economic non-event, right? It was impossible for my dad to know what, when I was going to get married, how I was going to get married. It was impossible for my dad to know if, when I was going to have a daughter, right? He didn't even, at the age of 18, I didn't have marriage or anything in sight as far as he was concerned. But yet a lot of the planning that he had done had, had established a good foundation for me to still continue to move throughout life financially, even though he wasn't around. So I give you that story because I think it's best to start with this episode with just saying that there are so many different thought processes to the amount of protection that someone should have. And I think it's important to just take a step back and recognize that through all of the different calculations and all of the different ways that we can figure out what life insurance should we have, what disability insurance should we have, all the financial entertainers that are out there that are trying to you know, effectively help us make a good decision. There is very rarely one way to do something that is going to be right for everyone. For instance, when you buy a new vehicle, and I'm sure most of you have experienced this at some point or another, the dealership will tell you that you need to have a set liability limit before you can drive that car or that truck or whatever it is right off the lot. And a lot of times people will think that, yeah, I'm fully protected. And if you are fully protected, does that insurance protect your car? Does it protect you? Does it protect both? What about from a lawsuit? And today's conversation, we're actually going to hone in a little bit more of our focus on two critical types of insurances that are out there. And that's disability and life insurance. So like, why, why is disability and life insurance critical? Most group disability insurance, for instance, is what most people will get if they work for someone. It tends to be employer paid, be taxable in the event that they became sick or injured. And the, the, what happens is that if you were to not be able to work tomorrow, how much will you actually receive? If you are trying to save for the future, if you're looking to continue living the life that you enjoy to live, the lifestyle that you've gotten so accustomed to, what will that mean to your lifestyle? What about your ability for just everything else that you've been trying to do, your ambitions? Like you eventually, maybe if you want to be one of those people that want to choose to not work in the future, you know, there are some people that want to continue to keep working and there's nothing against that as well. But like, if you want to have the flexibility and something were to happen, well, do you have the right amount and the right type? Life insurance is the second critical piece. There are many people who believe they don't need insurance based on their circumstances, but maybe they might want it. And this is a big question that gets brought up out there of needs versus wants. And many will take the default coverage at work. That coverage might be a certain multiple of their income, of their salary that they receive. And there might be an option to purchase additional coverage if available. What usually gets brought up in conversation is how, well, how do you know that is enough for your family? And how did you determine that this is the appropriate level for your family in the event that something were to happen to you? 
So it's, it's, it's only, it's critical to get disability insurance and life insurance right, only because those are the, the two main ways that a veterinarian can protect their income that they're receiving. So when we look at coverage and we look at what it takes to replace household income, it's important to kind of walk through maybe some of the, the steps or the numbers to figure out how much protection should I have, or at least what am I actually protecting? Like how much exactly am I protecting? So in order to cover for future earnings, let's say a 35-year-old is making $100,000 of income, and over a 30-year career, if they don't get any pay raises whatsoever, no pay raises, right? You're going to work in the same spot. You're going to make $100,000 every year for 30 years. You're going to end up making $3 bucks. This is something that is called your human life value. This is the amount of money that you're going to make in the future until you, until you retire. Now, you can cover a portion of that income. You can actually get, if you're 35 years old with $100,000 of income, the, the maximum you can get is an industry standard is roughly about 30 to 40 times your income. So you couldn't get more than that, even if you wanted to. A large part of that is not just income, but it's also based on age, because obviously the longer you have to work, the more insurable you are for the life insurance, because we're, we're talking about protecting all future earnings. Because if you, if you die, you never become undead. Like it's a permanent thing, it's a permanent condition. That does not come back, right? You don't come back to life. So when, you, when getting life insurance, you got one shot at getting it, right? And then if, if something does happen, you can't go back and change it. If you're trying to protect all of your future earnings, then it's best to look at, okay, what's the maximum that a life insurance company would approve me for? And then that should tell you at least a little bit about what your potential earnings are in perpetuity in the future. And if you were wanting to look at life insurance for yourself, do you want to provide like a bare minimum? Do you want to make sure that your family can continue to realize the life's work that you put into all of your efforts of going to school and taking that next step to where you're at? Of course, there there is no clear answer to this. If you get max, you get some. And your, your human life value is something that when we look at planning, uh, we should always want to make sure our family could continue to enjoy the life that they've gotten used to. Right. So if you get the maximum or if you get less than the maximum, it, it doesn't like it all has to deal with what, what do you want? Like, what do you actually want? And getting getting 10 times your income, which is a general rule of thumb that a lot of financial entertainers will use out there. That's fine. Uh, if, if that's how much you want to leave behind, if you want to be able to provide for your spouse and your family for 10 years after you pass away, then that's then that's a good course of action. It's not a bad thing to do. But if you want to protect 30 years, 40 years of potential earnings that you have there, then, you know, the life insurance amount should probably be investigated. You probably want to investigate getting more than just 10 times your gross income. Right. And, 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 and another thing here to think about, so like a lot of people listening are like, well, but like, that's a lot of money to leave behind for a spouse. And I think this industry has kind of, uh, you know, it's weird how we've, we we're in a position where you know, you might say $3 million. I don't see $3 million as $3 million. I see $3 million as the source of income for my family. So what do I mean by that? Well, my spouse is not going to get $3 million and then spend all $3 million of it. What my spouse is probably going to do is the, alter the alternative to that is basically go to a financial advisor and say, okay, I've got $3 million. My spouse has passed away. I need this $3 million to provide an income for me can we get it invested? And if we can get it invested, what kind of return are we going to get? 
in order to reproduce the income that I need. So if you got, if you left behind $3 million to your spouse, $3 million, not $3 million, $3 million is really just the engine that provides that income. So if I took $3 million real quick, and let's just say conservatively, you can get a 3% interest rate, right? You put in something conservative. Well, if you were making, if you personally were making $100,000 before you passed away at the age of 35, and you left behind $3 million to your spouse, and then your spouse went to an advisor and said, hey, I need to get earnings off of this money, and a 3% earnings interest rate off of $3 million is going to produce the spouse, the, the, the spouse that was left behind, and the kids, and all of the things that those kids are gonna do over the course of the next 30 some odd years, it's gonna provide them $90,000 of income. 3% of $3 million is $90,000. Well, that's pretty close to what that person was earning and while they were living. So looking at $3 million as, a, a, yes, it is a big number. Yes, it, it, it sounds like a lot of money, but $3 million for the sake of as being a financial engine to produce income is going to closely resemble the amount of income that that person was making while they were living. Hmm. That's powerful. To pivot here, disability insurance, there's two different categories that fall in here. There's short-term and there is long-term disability. Short-term can be great to have. It can be very helpful, especially if there's certain events that do pop up where uh, uh, a complication of the pregnancy or some different things. Then you usually have to go through your employer to get this type of coverage. But what about long-term disability? What about something that could catastrophically impact your future? When you have it strictly just through an employer, well, what does that cover for you? Do you have any bonuses that you receive beyond your salary? Do you make only production? Like how is that being determined if you have group coverage? Is it going to be enough, not just to kind of like get you by, which is something that commonly people will talk about, but let's say that this were prolonged. Let's say this were to go on for longer than you had anticipated. Going back to short-term coverage, you know, if you're a great saver and have cash sitting on the sidelines, there is a possibility maybe you could cover yourself for these events. If you're one of those people that is, are very, let's say, risk averse and you're like, well, I, I want to have coverage, well, it might not ever hurt to have it. And if your employer gives it to you, it's even better. But when we look at the long-term impacts that like if something were to happen where you became sick or injured, well, that could drastically change your future trajectory. So like, let's say you wanted to stop working, let's say at 50 or 55, 60, 65. Maybe you don't want to stop working at some point. Maybe you love what you do and you're going to want to do it forever, which I know CJ and I, we, we love what we do. That retirement part of it, like if you did want to eventually slow down from work or have a, the opportunity to be able to pivot, an event that happens even for a year, two, five years, like what will that do to your entire plan? That's where long-term disability really plays its part. And for instance, let's say that you make $100,000 a year in a salary. And then on top of it, there are production bonuses or other type of bonuses that you receive. That means your income is $120,000 a year. Most group policies will cover a percentage of your salary. And this can vary between uh, a lower end to higher end. Sometimes employers will allow you to buy more through them. And will this amount be enough for you to survive if something were to happen? And is the benefit taxable to you? What about your future? Like if you are trying to save and uh, you wanted to continue to keep doing the things that you do, how is that all going to translate into your plan? over time. Most of the time with your typical employer coverage, well, it won't cover your, your bonuses. Like that all sort of just gets excluded depending on the circumstances. And if you have outside coverage and you've bought something, well, how did you determine the amount and how do you know that it's going to be enough for you? 
And in most instances with the coverage, it can vary from between 60 to 70% of your, your total income is usually what you can look at getting coverage for long-term disability between employer and individual policies or through an association. There is the chance to get coverage with all of those. And it's now it's just a matter of making sure there's enough in your life that we're not just saying, hey, if I can't work for a couple days, for a couple months, we're talking about if you can't work for the long haul. Let's say that, and it's not to say when people will look at a disability, they sometimes will look at me like, well, I don't, I won't, I won't get injured. It, it won't happen. And most of the time we do see that they happen because of an illness. And illnesses, sometimes they can come and go and they could stop you from doing part of the work that you're doing right now in your life and cause you to pivot to something else. So disability insurance, this is a part where making sure like your, your human life value, the same component when it comes to life insurance, there isn't like a specific multiple of your income that you would get, but it is a percentage. So the, the reason why we tell you all these things is because we want you to start thinking in a way that you probably have never really thought before. The details matter, a couple different takeaways. Details matter when it comes to disability insurance, one, right? How you get paid, what's the definition of that, of what's in your contract. And then on the life insurance side, like most, most people don't know that there is a maximum that they can get approved for. Like you can't just go get a billion dollars of life insurance. You, you, there is a specific formula that life insurance underwriters use in order to determine how much life insurance a person can get. And these kind of concepts, these, these things that we're talking about, they can be applied to many other types of insurances like auto insurance and homeowners insurance and, and just asking the question like, what's the maximum amount that I could get? And then how much do I want? Even professional liability can be kind of one of those things that you can go and you could probably always get more. And you know, working with the professionals that sell those types of policies is, is important because you wanna be able to work with somebody who knows how to guide you, not just what you need, but also in what you would want. Because I know sometimes for me, whenever I'm looking at insurances, it's, if it's going to cost me an extra three bucks a month to have double the amount of coverage, like hands down, 100% sign me up because I would prefer to just pay the same amount that I would pay for a, a, a grande mocha. I would prefer to pay another $3 a month to have more coverage because I know that $3 a month is not really is not really materially and substantially impacting my lifestyle. But all this to say that what we're actually trying to protect, what this all boils down to, is that we're trying to make sure that your lifestyle continues in the future, even when something happens that you can't control. Now, if you're curious to learn more about the coverages that you have, or if you're protected, we do have a video available on our YouTube channel. It's called, How Much Insurance Do Veterinarians Need? There's even a brief assessment available that you can take after, after you watch the video, uh, actually underneath the video on the YouTube channel that you can click on in order to evaluate your coverage and kind of see where you sit with different types of insurances. The link for the video can be found in the description of this episode. It's been great today. We appreciate your time. This is CJ Burnett. And this is Tom Seco. Wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.
CJ Burnett and Tom Seiko are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seiko's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. This material is intended for general use. By providing the content, Park Avenue Securities LLC and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The individuals associated with Florida Veterinary Advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals. Florida Veterinary Advisors is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. 2022-140765 expires July 2024.